Attention, independent pet pros. Let me introduce you to the Pet Shop Girls, presented by Pet Product News. Hey, I'm Sherry. I own Odyssey Pets in Dallas, Texas. And I'm Carly, owner of House of Paws in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. So it's that time of year again where, you know, we got to count our inventory and it is my least favorite thing to do. It is not fun. I say boo to that, Sherry. We are not going to talk about counting inventory because everybody knows they got to count the stuff. But that's the least most favorite thing about everybody. Everybody's least favorite thing about inventory. So I say, let's talk about all the fun things that have to do with inventory. Let's do it. Who wants to talk about counting inventory? I got one, two, three. Nobody wants to talk about that. We all know we've got to do it. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. But there is some really important and more fun things that we can talk about when it comes to your inventory. So let's make inventory awesome. All right. Do you look for new products in a new year. Of course. Because, you know, once you get rid of all the the holiday decorations and you you've done all your clearance sales, you sold all your mystery bags, your store looks a little empty, doesn't it? Oh my god, it looks like the Grinch stole Christmas after Christmas. You know, we make so much room, we bring in our gifts from Santa Paws and so we've got to move a bunch of stuff and then when all the gifts are gone, and we're like, how was the store filled before the gifts? So yeah, it looks like, you know, you see one little Christmas ornament on the floor and some strings of lights and there's nothing left. So finding new stuff is always a fun thing to do with, with inventory. Where do you look to find new stuff? Like where's your favorite place to look? Oh, well, I mean, besides going to a trade show, I love to go to wholesalepet.com. Mm. This is yeah, okay. Great for for those of you that are south of my border. Oh, that's right. You're in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You forget that I'm in Canada. But here I am up in Canuckland. So wholesale pet is still a way that I can look for new items. It doesn't mean that I can buy from them, but in Canada. Those of us up here in the north, we can actually look on fair as well. So if you guys are not looking on fair, a lot of retailers, when I've talked to them about fair, they're like, oh my God, but we have to pay duties and we have to pay shipping. And you also get new, cool, unique things in your store that other stores maybe don't carry. And just because you've paid duties, shipping and all that kind of extra stuff, you work that into your price. So you're not losing money. You just have the ability to provide really cool things that other stores maybe don't. I will agree. There is some really unique products on there that aren't anywhere else. It's kind of like the Etsy of wholesaling. But you don't want to buy too much, you know, right after the holidays. You know, you want to ease yourself into it. It's it's going to be tricky filling up those table displays and making them look full and creative. So I have a lot of merchandising tips for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Merchandising too. Again, in when I'm coaching different pet pros, when staff is short, because sometimes that happens, 
your merchandising, your displays have to sell themselves. So they've got to be beautiful. And I know that you've got lots of great tips, Sherry. I know that you share them with your coaching clients to get them in a position where their merchandise will sell itself, right? And there's other things that we can talk about too. I'm going to let you do some tips here. And then I want to talk about different ways that your products can sell themselves. Okay. Well, I want to start with signage says a lot. Talking about selling itself, a good sign can sell that product without one of your employees standing there talking to the customer. But so many times I see ugly signs. <laughs> Please do not handwrite anything. Anything that's sun bleached, replace it. If you're going to handwrite something, it better be on a chalkboard. Otherwise, invest in a laminator. Print something off, laminate it. Or if you want to go the extra mile, order a nice poster from Vistaprint. But that would be for a more permanent display. Uh, we use a lot of chalkboards and, and I do like to laminate. So that's my first tip. I'm going to add on to your tip because that actually is going right where I want to go. Uh, with regards to signs, a lot of what we do in our store is we use QR codes that take the customer to a video that specifically talks about that product. And so if my team happens to be busy with other customers and customers are in the store looking at this odd looking thing, but it looks pretty cool, but I don't know what it is. We have a sign there that says, you want to know more about me? Scan here. And it's a QR code that then takes them to a video that we've created saying, hey, here's why we love this product. And it's so awesome. So QR codes can absolutely help you out. In fact, I, I will mention our supplement shelf. We've dedicated an entire shelving unit to all of our supplements. And right in the middle, we have a great big poster with a QR code that says you want to know more about supplements or you want to know the right supplement for your dog or whatever it says, scan here. And it takes them to an internal website that we've built that allows them to pick the ailment they're trying to address. So you want to see our supplements for joints and, you know, bones and joints. You want to see for digestion. You want to see for immunity. They click on it and then it brings up a picture of all of our supplements for that particular ailment. So signage, I agree. And you can even like modernize your signage by making it QR codes because everybody's packing a cell phone nowadays. That's genius. We actually used to have a DVD player sitting uh, in front of one of our displays that would play a looped video about a certain supplement. And let me tell you, it sold a lot of those supplements, but you know, it, having a DVD player takes up a lot of space and it's not the cheapest thing to do. So I love that QR code idea. Okay. My next tip is, especially if you're, if you're low on inventory and you need to make a good display, you could group by color, theme, sale, or brand. So say you have, you still have a lot of something left over. You can create a display of that. We, like I said, in our last podcast, we do a theme each month. So in January, I like to do sometimes uh, a made in Texas display. And we have maybe 15 different products that are actually made in Texas. And I group those together and I put little signs in front of each one of them that has the city that they're made in. And people find it very interesting and they're more likely to buy that product. Well, and what I like about that idea as well is if you kind of have a bunch of mismatched products, so you can't make that full display that is of 
one brand or one type of thing. You could literally make a bundled theme. So then you take those mismatched products and you put them into bundled displays where this bowl works really well with this insert, which works really well with this food, which also is great with this treat or whatever it is. So you make that bundle and the customer comes in and goes, and this bundle doesn't have to be discounted at all. You guys, this bundle, literally, it's just that these four products, even though they're not the same brand, they're not the same manufacturer, they're not the same type of thing, but they all work really well together or like a collar leash, ID tag, silicone pop-up bowl, water bowl, water bottle, if you have a couple mismatch of those, make a bundle. Here's your walking bundle. Here's your active hiker bundle, whatever you want to call it, but do bundles. I think that may be called a lifestyle display, but to add on to that too, you can demonstrate how a certain product is used. So you could remove that that puzzle toy from the package and actually put treats in it and then put like a dog mannequin next to it with a collar, with the pop-up bowl, with all that, show people how to use it because sometimes they don't know. The other thing that you could do now that you say that is if you have like those onesie, twosie type things that do sell well, but you just don't have them in stock right now and you've got one left over, use it as a demo. Like make your videos to use it as a demo or use it as a demo in store so that the people can actually see their dog's using the item, if it is that puzzle dish or whatever, use it as a demo in store so they can see how much they love it. And they'll be like, put me on the list the next time you get those in. Definitely. And I did just mention props, uh, the the dog mannequin. Putting a dog mannequin in, in a display really catches people's eyes and they can imagine their own dog using it a lot better than if that mannequin wasn't there. So it's a, they're actually pretty important. Another way I use props is I did a cucumber melon spa upgrade display for my grooming salon. And I went and, and got some fake cucumbers and a fake melon. And I put them next to a rubber ducky and a rolled up white towel to get that spa feel. You know, you really want to bring it to life. I am. I, okay. Let me just say, I am all about props. And I think back to when I was a corporate facilitator, <laughs> I had to go pick up a shelving unit from a furniture store and I was just leaving a training session where I had all of my props and all of the things that I would take to class to teach adults. And the guy that was helping me load my shelf into the car, he's like, he looks at me, he looks at all my stuff and he's like, do you, do you teach play school or something? I'm like, no, I teach adults. I teach adults. So props are huge. I mean, props allow people to relate to what, you know, or, or you draw on their emotion. And I will say too, like the dollar store is a great place to go and get your props because they're inexpensive and you can find some cool things that will align with your merchandising themes to make a really cool display. Not everything in your store has to be for sale. If you're just trying to grab the attention of your shopper, of your consumer to notice the display and notice the products within, we have a little mini barbecue. Like literally a little mini, I think if you were cooking something on it, you might be able to fit two hamburgers on this little tiny, it looks like an old style barbecue that you, you know, you use with like briquettes or coal or whatever it is. Anyways, 
we use that in our summer display for our camping. And then we put like our hot dog and hamburger toys on that little tiny mini barbecue. I've done that as well. And I've also gotten dog toys that look like beer and wine and I'll put them in like a Yeti cooler. Yeah. You know, we did the same thing with our booze toys. We grabbed a great big, like clear bowl and then we got fake ice cubes and then we stuffed all of our beer and wine toys into that. So it looked like they were sitting on ice, but yeah, have fun with your props because that's what grabs your customer's attention. Uh, Often I ask myself after I've made a display, I stand back and look at it and I'm like, does this make me want to buy it? You should always ask yourself that question. If, you know, try to take yourself out of the situation and, you know, pretend you're a customer that just walked in. Does that display make you want to buy it? Here's my, this is probably my, my number one tip right here. Adding levels and balance. I have a ton of wooden crates that I I have in my in my back room, but most of the time we're using them. Wooden crates are great to create different levels. You want you don't want to lay everything flat out on a table. That looks awful. Different levels draws the customer's eye to different areas of the setup and it prevents the the display from looking flat. It utilizes uh, the levels to effectively optimize this the available space too. So if you have a very small table and you need to put a lot of stuff on it, you can put more on it if you have different levels. You definitely need to invest in some wooden crates. I mean, they're not they're not expensive or or use some type of riser. Yes, they make those like clear plastic risers, but those are so like 1980s, don't get that. You could use like wooden stumps or uh so- something out of the box. You just want to raise some of the product up that's on the back part of the table and then have, uh, you know, other product that's on a lower level in front. Yeah. And we do that too. Like we had kind of our main merchandise table for when people walk in is what we call the bone table. And I literally, I had this bone table custom made. So the bottom level is shaped like a bone. The middle level is shaped like a bone and the top level is shaped like a paw print. Uh, But we do that with wooden crates. We put wooden crates on the bottom and then we have great big metal bins, if you will, that align with our brand colors. They're uh, white or teal or silver or black big metal bins on top of our crates. And then we fill those up with different like stuffed animals, or if we've got, you know, big chews, or maybe one is full of all of, of the bunch of like really cool new balls that are out for the summer. But yeah, so we've got lots of different levels on our bone table, even though it only technically has three levels on it. That's awesome. I, I, I have seen that display and it's very pretty. And that's, that's a good point too. You can spray paint. Spray paint's your best friend. Spray paint the crates, spray paint the the buckets to your brand, you know? Yeah, it's easy. You know, we do that too. Like even on our big food shelves, we use crates, especially for cat food, right? Little tiny tins. And I went and got little square shaped crates and I stack two on top of each other and I stack eight, like four, four rows of two Uh, So there's eight crates in total, but that gives me eight sections for eight different kinds of cat food in my cat food section, rather than just having a bunch of random cat cat food tins all over the place. Oh, so you use the crates 
uh, as a makeshift way of adding a shelf. As a shelf, yeah. And then not only that too, but um, because our food shelves are two feet deep, which is specifically what I wanted, but these crates are only 12 inches deep, it becomes storage behind my crates where we can keep our overflow of cat food, but we keep a nice display out front where they're all in their crates, all sectioned and organized into flavor. And that's important when you're in a really small space like Carly's. How many square feet are you in? Well, in total, we are just over 1,200, but our showroom is around 900 square feet. Right. And you pack a lot in there. We pack a lot in there because, and we have to be creative on the floor because we don't have a ton of backspace in, in the back either for storage, right? We have a, we have our mechanical room and we have a desk, uh, which is my, I say with air quotes, office. Uh, we have a bathroom and then we have some storage, but we don't have a ton of room. So we, yeah, we've got to be creative on the floor too. So that brings me to my next tip, removing the cardboard POP displays. So a lot of times if you buy an ISO of something, or they call it a shipper, they'll ship it in this, usually a cardboard display. Gosh, I hate those things. Brands really need to stop doing it. The problem with those things, not only do they look cheap, but they get messed up within a week of being on the floor because a dog will pee on them. Somebody will kick it. It gets bent. It's just no good. Brands, if you're listening, please only do really nice POP displays. Sometimes we're even willing to pay extra for it. Like if it's made out of wood or a really thick plastic, please only only do good ones like that. You know what? I've seen they're not even like a branded cardboard display. They are literally a cardboard box and the product comes in it and it's wrapped in plastic. I have seen stores just cut the plastic off and slide that cardboard box with the product onto their shelf. And I'm like, are you selling the entire box? Because otherwise, get it out of that box. So yeah, like merchandising is so important. You don't want to look like a warehouse or a garage sale. Get rid of the cardboard. All the cardboard must go. Yes, yes. I mean, and it doesn't have, I'm, I'm not even talking about those big cardboard displays either. Sometimes bulk kitty toys will come in like a, a box that you're supposed to open up and then display it in the box. No, no, no. Take it out of the box, put it in a metal tin that's been branded or like a little basket, something inviting. I actually just, for my cat section, I just bought a bunch of clear uh, small bins and I put chalkboard stickers on the front where we write the, the price. So people can, can see the product easily that way too. Yeah. A friend of mine just opened a store and, and it just kind of reminded me of what you were saying. So she's on her front counter. It's not a pet store. It's a different type of store, but, it, but still she's retail. And on her front counter, she had these really nice glass jars with kind of those little impulse purchases on her front desk, which I said to her, this is fantastic, but you need to get rid of these lids because they were like airtight sealed containers. And as a customer, I said to her, I'm not going to sit there and try to fight with trying to get a lid off to get the thing out. So the containers are great. You've got it right, right at the front counter. That's fantastic. It looks nice. Remove the lid. There's no, don't put a barrier in front of your customer to try to grab the thing that's in, in their face. That is a great point. I have made that mistake as well. And yeah, they're not going to open it. No, they won't. You're going to sell a lot more if it, if they can easily shop, like pretend you're shopping with one hand. Can, can you shop it? Yeah. 
<laughs> that, that, and here's the other thing too. Another thing that I see a lot of uh, when it comes to merchandising is pyramids. Everybody's building this big, beautiful pyramid and it does look beautiful, but nobody's going to wreck your pyramid to shop from it. So when you build your display out, still make it look eye-catching, still make it look like you want it to grab people's attention, but I'm not going to come and wreck your pyramid. I'm not going to come and wreck your display. And if me pulling something out of your display wrecks it, I'm probably not buying it because I don't want to wreck the display. So keep that in mind too, when you're doing your, your stacking and, and, and what have you. Pyramids look cool, but nobody's going to wreck your pyramid to shop from it. All right. I know we're running short on time. I got one more here and that's cross merchandising. So we all see those clip strips at the grocery stores, right? They're there for a reason. When a customer is shopping for their favorite brand of food, would they not be enticed to buy that brand's new treat? So I have my From Bacon Crunchios, which is their brand new treat that they came out with. And I got a full clip strip right next to my From Food. And let me tell you, those things are flying off the shelf. So cross merchandising. We we sell a crap ton of bone broth and a crap ton of freeze dried. And you know where they're side by side? Each other. I put my bone broth beside my freeze dried. And even if it's the same bone broth, even if it's the same brand, and I have it in four different locations of my store, I have bone broth beside all of my freeze dried options because I sell bone broth with the freeze dried, right? I wanted to say too, you talked about you talked about spray painting and that was something again when I opened the store uh I wanted to have like my chew station I I made a mistake I called it my chew station I should have called it my doggy candy bar but anyways it it kind of I'm going to try I'm going to do my best to describe it to you guys it kind of looks like a bookshelf without a back and the shelves are all slanted towards you and then I got holes cut into the shelves that I put my buckets in and I spray painted all of my buckets to match my branded colors. And then I just lined those buckets with uh, plastic bags, like a really thick food grade plastic bag so that we can swap out the bags and the chews never have to touch the spray painted can. Can I jump in here real quick? This is a, a really good side note about your, your bulk chew area, because I don't know about you, but we have dealt with, uh, over the years, bug problems. We've tried freezing them. That doesn't work. They just hibernate and come back out. But we started lining our baskets. Now we have wooden baskets. So I do highly recommend lining them. We line them with plastic. It's easier to clean them out. And we buy bulk bay leaves. If you put bay leaves and you need to switch them out periodically to keep them fresh, if you put bay leaves in the bottom of that basket, the bugs don't like it. Apparently it's bitter or something, but it'll cut down on your bug problem astronomically. We have never had bug problems. And I know like I see tons of pet pros talking about it in the different groups, the bug problems that they have. And I am just so thankful. I mean, okay, we have mosquitoes in Saskatchewan, but we do not get bugs the way that people talk about with the body parts, which I am very thankful of. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if it's just because it's colder up there. I don't know. But like I said, 19 months of winter we get up here in Canada, so the bugs don't like it. They go down to Texas. Yes, they do. We have all of them. <laughs> all right, all right, Carly, what... What else can we fit into this episode? Well, there's a couple things. January is always a good time to reevaluate your pricing. You want to be profitable all year round. 
And, you know, back before COVID, price increases used to come from the manufacturers in January and all the stores would update their prices. And then COVID happened and now you're getting daily and weekly price increases. But a good kind of reset to the year, take a look at your prices, make sure that your margins are still there, confirm that what you think you are paying for regularly ordered products is what you are actually paying. If you missed a price increase, you want to make sure that you are charging appropriately in order to be profitable. So do a good price check and up your prices if necessary. So yes, I think grooming salons are are used to this, but if you're going to raise your service prices, usually that happens in January. It's the most logical place to do it in the year. So do your research in December here. I know you don't have much longer to do it, but if you're going to raise your prices, try to institute that in January. Ooh, can we talk about a big B in my bonnet? Mm. Credit card fees. I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to say, do not charge your customer credit card fees. I, I have, oh my God, this is the conversation in every retail group I'm in is, oh, is anybody passing on the fees? Everybody in my city is doing it. I think I should too. No, you absolutely should not. Do not make that mistake. Here is my biggest beef about this. Credit card fees are a cost of doing business. They are not your customer's responsibility. Do not penalize your customer for wanting to give you money. It doesn't matter how they want to give you that money. You take the money. And you don't charge them extra because they are paying with a credit card. And I know that there's going to be some people out there that say, ooh, what if I charge less or give them a discount if they pay with cash? Well, that is the same pig with lipstick on. We don't do it. The price is the price. And you, if your credit card fees are eating you alive because here, hey, I don't get me wrong. I hate paying processing fees. I hate it. But it is a cost of doing business. And I don't want to penalize anybody for how they want to shop with me. Make it easy for your customer to do business with you. And if you are putting barriers in place by saying, hey, we only charge like a convenience fee of 3% if you want to use your credit card, your customer will shop elsewhere. And some might tell you that they're leaving, but others will just leave. And the worst fallout of that is the customer that talks to everybody, multiple customers, talking to everybody saying, I don't shop there anymore because they charge me to use my credit card. So don't make that mistake. And if everybody around you is charging the credit card fee, be different and don't charge and then scream that from the rooftops that, I hey, Shop with us however you like. Your price is the same no matter how you pay. And advertise the dickens out of that. And I know, okay, I'm ranting. I got my ranty pants on. Sometimes that happens. But it drives me to see to see retailers saying, should I do this? And other retailers saying, oh, just give them a discount for paying with cash. It's the same nonsense. Increase your prices if you must in January or in February or every month that you need to in order to cover that cost in your business. But don't pass that along to your customer. There's nothing convenient about convenience fees. 
So speaking of credits, I do want to throw in there, it's almost the end of the year. Have you checked your outstanding credits list? However you keep track of that, make sure your vendors get all those credits to you before the end of the year so you can tighten up your books. Also check for expiring products. You should be doing that at least quarterly, but here at the end of the year, I would do that as well. We do it monthly. We, we do a monthly freshness check. It's built into our monthly checklist and it's just something that we do. We, we walk around and we take a look at everything. And what we do, if we see that something has three months till expiry, we move it over into our pause deal section. That's what we call it. It's a pause deal section in the store and online. And uh, we, it's, discounted 15%. At two months to expiry, it's discounted 20%. And at one month to expiry, we discount it 50%. If by that third month, it still hasn't sold, we donate it. Expiry dates, I'm not, I mean, legally in Canada, I don't know how it works in the States for sure, but in Canada, legally, you can sell an expired product. You just have to inform the customer, but we don't do that. We we donate to rescue and, and uh, we write it off. But we do a monthly freshness check. I like that you call it a freshness check. I'm going to start using that. We also, you know, going back to the dreaded counting of the inventory, in order to try to kind of prepare for the beginning of January when you're going to count your entire store, we also do monthly inventory checkpoints is what we call them. And essentially what we do is we take a brand a month. Our, our you know, our, our product that moves, that turns the quickest and we will go and we will count that entire brand just to make sure that our POS is actually accurate. And then the next month we'll do the next brand. And then, so at the end of the year, do we have differences or at the beginning of the year, I guess, when, when we count, do we have some differences? Yes, but they're not huge, right? It's not like, oh my God, we have 68 of these things and it says zero. You know, it might say we might have 68 and it says we have 64. So our, our uh, inventory checkpoints help to kind of minimize the headaches of what is it called? Reconciling your inventory at the beginning of the year. And I call that rotating or cycle counts. Mm, Very technical. (laughs) Just look at, look at the new year as uh, your reset. So if you kind of went, okay, now you've gotten through all the craziness of the holiday and you have time to breathe, take a look and go, where do I need to refresh my store? And I don't necessarily mean that you're slapping up a coat of paint, but I mean, if your displays are starting to look really picked over and kind of like, oh my goodness, this is so boring. It's been like this for eight months, change it up, do a little bit of a refresh, do a little bit of a restart at the beginning of the year. And, and, uh, you will be surprised how many of your customers will notice a product that they walked by every month for the last 12 months, just because you moved it to a different spot in your store. And all of a sudden it's like the best thing they ever saw to me all the time. Yeah. Mixing things up definitely helps. And I just want to add on to the refresh after you've gone through the holidays and, and you've run the gambit plan a vacation in advance, but I have a tip on that one. I have a staff of 16 people and especially here after the COVID years and when they all go home and they visit their families, inevitably my entire staff within a two-week rotation, gets sick. So don't plan your vacation that first week of January. Wait till the second or third. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know what? That's so true, too. Last year, we were all good to go. We celebrated Christmas, and we were all set to do our inventory on January 2nd, and half my team got COVID. 
And, and, and then there was only going to be, well, I shouldn't say half. There was five of us and three got COVID. So it would have left two of us. So 60% got COVID and, uh, inventory ended up getting canceled last year because two of us can't do it. Like it's a, you're bringing your whole team in to do that and buy them pizza, uh, feed them however you have to, because it's a long day and it's counting and it's not fun. Just to, just to give you an idea, we have about a hundred thousand dollars in inventory and we have five people that do it and it takes us six to eight hours. So, uh, which I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. That's fast because we have 50,000 in inventory and I am there about 14 hours. My team is there about eight and they do all the counting and then I do all the, yeah. So it's a long day for me. Wow. Yeah. This was, Hey man, this was inventory. Awesome. This was inventory. Nobody wants to talk about counting and we just did it again, but <laughs> we got, we got to do the counting, but you also, your inventory is fun. I mean, that's, that's, there's, there's tons of fun stuff about inventory. So that's what we wanted to cover. And I think that we did. Yes, we did. So until next time, work hard and party on, Pet Pros. Woo! That's it for this episode, Pet Pro. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Just hit all the buttons. So you never miss the podcast that makes you sit, stay, and beg for more. The, the Pet, Pet Shop, Shop Girls. Girls. Who wants to talk about counting inventory? I got one, two, three. Nobody wants to talk about that. We like to party. We like, we like to party. And we're going to party. When you join us at Connect, Canada's pet trade show for a possum time. Get ready to unleash the excitement during the Connect pet trade show with our Hello Canada podcast launch party. Join us at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, May 15th for an unforgettable celebration filled with laughter, insights, and surprises. Meet us, the Pet Shop Girls, and fellow pet pros, and let's make some memories together. Don't miss our special live podcast recording at 2 p.m. on Thursday, May 16th. Tune in as we broadcast directly into our private Facebook group, The Indie Insider, bringing you exclusive content, industry insights, and a sneak peek at the show. Get ready to be inspired and empowered to take your business to new heights. Mark your calendars, pet pros, and come connect with us at the biggest pet trade show in Canada. See you there. We like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party. We like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party.